So Titans fans can rest easy a little bit in the sense that cutting him, I think, is very low on the list of outcomes here. They are going to need to hopefully change up his situation. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Friday, March 16th. I'm your host, Easton Fries, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. I'm joined on this beautiful Friday morning by none other than producer JT. JT, how are you? I'm good, even though it is Friday the 17th. Um, I'm doing great. 16th? You did. This is what happens. But... We record the day before, and uh, it's the end of the week. So today's the it 16th is. when we're recording on Thursday evening. But this is for you all to listen to on Friday the morning of the 17th. So thank you for that correction. We, uh, we have a number of, once again, time is a flat circle. Every episode this week has been pretty much the same because we've had no room to be creative with our show structure with just how much free agency news there has been to cover, which is fine. I'm never, as a content creator, going to complain about there being too much to talk about. Um, we've got plenty to talk about today, and we can dive right on into that because I don't really have anything interesting going on to talk about here at the top. So let's get into the warm-up segment of today's episode of the Hot Read Podcast. And in today's warm-up, I have just one thought to share, but I think it is an interesting reflection on where the Titans are thus far in their free agency process, in their off-season process. And it's something that, it's a thought that that was spurred by a tweet that um, I saw, I believe, from yesterday from my good friend and colleague, Mike Herndon, who was talking about, I believe this was in in response to the Titans having tendered Aaron Brewer, um, giving him a, a good chunk of change for next year on a one-year contract that is going to likely set him up to be the starting center for the Titans. But here's what I think we do and don't know about this Titans team based on what Rand Carthen has already done. The number one thing I have to say off the top, JT, is this week it has been quite funny watching folks in Titans, uh, Titans jerseys, Titans fans online simultaneously hold the opinion. And this is something that we talked about for weeks leading up to this week of free agency. Man, this free agency class, it just stinks. It's not any good. It's, it's just really rough compared to any year in recent memory. There's not much in terms of valuable options, high, high end um, starter caliber options in this free agency class, really few splash moves available to be made that aren't, I, I suppose there are, there are trade opportunities out there for some more splash players, but pure free agency, just not a ton of impact players you can bring onto your team. And this is something we all seem to be in unison about, or seems to be in unison on until this week hit. And suddenly all the people that had spent weeks talking about how this free agency class stinks well, now they're all up in arms because the Titans aren't making. Well, why aren't the Titans making splash moves? Where Where is Rand Carthen? Why is he not making a splash move? Free agency is open. Let's go. Come on. Time to sign a wide receiver. Time to sign a, a tight end. Time to bring in some, some starting caliber offensive linemen. Come on. Let's get a splash player in the secondary. Let's get an edge. Like, come on. What are we doing? I'm sorry. Is this not the same draft or same free agent class that is that is horrible? That, that is slim pickings? Is this the same one we're talking about? I think it's the same one we're talking about. But but when we actually assess what the Titans have done, I think it's there's an interesting theme 
that, and this is not a unique thought of mine, it's been talked about, but I wanted to talk about it a little bit on today's show, this theme of, well, what is, what is Rand Carthen getting rid of and what is he bringing in? And this is the tweet that spurred this thought from Mike Kearns, and I'm going to read it verbatim because I'm going to give him props for a, a good idea here, but also uh, make fun of my buddy Mike just a little bit, just, just, just a tiny amount for finally seemingly, based on this tweet, coming around to the opinion that I have espoused and that this show has been pushing about this team since the moment the 2022 regular season came to a close. And I'm not big on victory laps on this show. I don't like to just sit and gloat for 10 minutes like some others may do because I find it a little bit off-putting. But on occasion, there are things where you have to say, I told you so. And I, I can't say that I told you so for sure because the offseason is still very young. But I think that folks are starting to come around to the idea that, yeah, maybe this team is going to be exactly what Easton said it was going to be going into the 2023 season. Maybe that's a real possibility. Maybe in hindsight, that was the most likely outcome all along. It today remains the most likely outcome. If, if anything, it is more likely now than I think it was three or four weeks ago. But here was the tweet. Mike Herndon. He says, to me, the clearest insight yet into where the Titans are headed this offseason is what they've done at center. They've saved $3.7 million by releasing Ben Jones, and then they spent $4.3 million on a tender for Aaron Brewer. They're trying to get younger and more athletic everywhere. And uh, add that, add to that the Derrick Henry and Kevin Byard reports, and it's pretty clear to me that they're looking to rip the Band-Aid off on this old guard of players. Doesn't mean they'll necessarily move on from them all, but they're definitely looking tr to transition this roster to a new era Here's the most important part of this, this, uh, this paragraph. That probably means a step back in the short term. Not a tank, but not necessarily in a win-now mode either. Almost the exact same take that I've had since the beginning of the 2022 season. And I am I'm more than happy and welcoming of folks to join me in what I think has the whole time been the, the most rational guess as to what this team will look like next year. They are going to potentially take a step back, but it's going to be in an effort to clean out the old, the bad, the unreliable on this roster and bring in some new talent. They're not going to tank. It's not going to be a top two or three overall pick in the 2024 draft situation. Rand Carthen isn't of the mindset to do that to this roster. Mike Vrabel is not the kind of guy to not intentionally intentionally lose ball games it's just not the way this was ever going to work okay so i'm glad we're slowly but surely getting all on the same page but i do think this is a, a good thought from mike herndon uh, who i I don't, I don't mean to rip entirely uh, 70 percent of me bringing him up here I, i'm good friends with them is to point out that this is a this is a clever point and it's one that I think you can expand to the entire roster building situation for this team so far this offseason. So I took all of the significant additions and subtractions to the roster so far. And again, there's still many to be made throughout the course of this offseason. But the theme for all of the guys that are on the out are that they are old, bad, and or unreliable. And the theme for all of the guys coming in is that on paper, at least, the idea is that they are younger, more athletic, more versatile, and many of them are coming from a position of being underutilized, trying to find good value in some of these signings. So let's go through first the guys that they've lost. 
David Long Jr., let him walk, signed with the Dolphins, 26 years old, missed 12 games in the past two seasons. Nate Davis, also 26 years old, they let him walk as a free agent to the Bears. He missed eight games in the past two seasons. Taylor Olwan, cut, currently unsigned, 31 years old, missed 52% of his games in the past four seasons. Ben Jones, 33 years old, currently unsigned, the model of availability for a decade. Fantastic career, Ben Jones, toughest dude I've ever met, one of the toughest NFL players I'm aware of, didn't miss a football game at any level for the vast, vast majority of his life. And then he missed five games last season with multiple concussions and is now, you would imagine, a, an injury concern, at the very least a repeat offender concussion concern, and had to be a big part of the reason why they ended up letting him go. Okay, Randy Bullock, 33 years old, not a huge injury concern, although he did miss a little bit of time last year with an injury. However, the Titans, in the two years that they had him, hated letting him kick from 40-plus yards and practically refused to let him kick from 47, 48, or longer. There's a reason why he only, I believe, attempted six kicks over that 48-yard mark this past season when, in the modern NFL, 50-plus-yard kicks not only have they become the norm in terms of teams trying them, but it's become the norm that as a kicker in the NFL in 2022, 2023, you're expected to be able to make on a regular basis from that distance. Randy Bullock could not be relied upon to do that. Demarcus Walker. Now he's the guy that I thought was the, the most head scratching, potentially harmful loss to this roster. He was a guy that the Titans I thought were going to try to resign. They didn't end up resigning him, but he's 28 years old and he's coming off of a breakout year with seven sacks. I thought that that was a bad move for them to let him walk until they added a guy to, I believe, take his spot who is younger and at the same price point and is a more talented player. I'll get to him in a second. Last guy, Bud Dupree, 30 years old, played in exactly half of his games in two seasons with Tennessee. Now let's turn to the guys that they've brought in. Right, I said the theme is young, athletic, versatile, and for a number of these guys in their former situations where Rand Carthen is, has gone and plucked them from, the idea is they are being underutilized behind the players that they were playing behind at their old teams. So we'll start with Andre Dillard, first signing he made, tackle from New, uh, from the Eagles, 27 years old. It's four years younger than Taylor Owan, six years younger than Ben Jones. And th this other theme that I didn't include here for all of these guys, because it's not all of them, but for the linemen they've brought in, a theme has definitely been let's get guys that their strong suit is more along the lines of being a pass blocker than a run blocker. Whereas in the past, the the Mike Vrabel, John Robinson era theme for linemen had been, well, let's get guys who are stud road grading, run blocking offensive linemen who can be just passable at the very worst, or maybe very best in some cases, in their pass protection. That seems to be flipping after they've had two straight years of really, really, really poor pass protection, and they've they've limited themselves dramatically in terms of their ability to throw the ball down the field. Aziz Al-Shair, linebacker, brought in former, former San Francisco 49er, ties to Rand Carthen, 25 years old, makes him a year younger than David Long Jr., and he is a potential starter-level talent who had been stuck behind all pro linebacker play in San Francisco. He's got very large potential, and he's a guy that if he is a starting-level player for the Titans at the amount of money they signed him to, we don't know the exact numbers yet, but you'd imagine it'd be a significant win for the Titans. They'd be getting a starter on the cheap. 
Daniel Brunskill, former offensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers, another Rand Carthen connection. 29 years old, makes him two years younger than Lawan, four years younger than Ben Jones. He's been largely available through his career, and he is another guy who his skill set coming out of college at the very least, the, ta- the tape on him out of college dictated that this is a guy who is awesome in pass protection and is passable as a run blocker. It's, it's along that same line of the kind of guys the Titans are trying to bring in to, to radically change the identity of their offensive line and in turn hopefully change the way that they can approach the offense. Arden Key, 26 years old, two years younger than Demarcus Walker, who I believe he's being brought in essentially to replace the role of, if not be a, a play a larger role on this team than Demarcus Walker did last year. And uh, he is four years younger than Bud Dupree, who they also let go. Same exact price, essentially, in the contract that the Titans gave Arden Key and the contract that the Bears gave to Demarcus Walker. Okay, that is a that is a win that looked like a loss at first, but when you put those two two moves that seem independent on paper, but in reality, they are a reaction to one another. They are linked. The Arden Key contract looks much, much better today than Demarcus Walker's does because he is younger, a better player, and I think has the potential to to carry more of a workload than Demarcus Walker does. Finally, Luke Gifford, 27 years old, out of 200-plus special teams players graded by PFF last year, he was fourth out of those guys. So is he a special teams linebacker? Yes, but is he very good on special teams? Also, yes. So th- this just goes to show the the clear and obvious theme here for Rand Carthen, for Mike Vrabel, for these Titans, is we got to get rid of this old guard. We got to get rid of the guys that are unreliable, that are getting up there in age, that are not playing good football right now, and we've got to bring in guys to replace them who are young and athletic and versatile and have been underutilized. I think that's, an, a, 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 first of all, a very wise way to go about team building, very prudent way to go about team building, especially when you're in a situation like the Titans are in which they don't have infinite money to spend. They don't have a ton of resources to allocate towards changing this team radically in free agency or in the draft, so they have to be frugal. They have to be prudent with their decisions. I think they're off to a very, very good start in that department. And with that, JT, let's move on to our free agency roundup. Got a handful of notes today from moves the Titans have made in the past 36 to 48 hours that we'll go through, and then we'll have another edition of Sum It Up where we'll go around the league, and I will do my best to sum up my analysis of some of these major moves made in the NFL in the past couple of days. But first, JT, what is the first bit of Titans free agency roundup news? Yeah, and this came today on the day we're recording it on Thursday. The Titans officially release Bud Dupree, saving $9.35 million of additional cap space, which is good in the short term. However, that dead cap money is definitely piling up on the books here for the Mm -hmm. Titans. What are your thoughts on him being officially released? Yeah, so we talked about it at the time when it was announced a couple of days ago that he was going to be released as a non-June, a non-post-June 1st cut. Uh, I thought that it was the right decision to make. They need that money now. Yes, the amount of dead cap piles up more than it would have otherwise, but you don't have any dead cap of Dupree's on your salary cap books in 2024, whereas if you'd made him a post-June 1st cut, you'd have been paying for him in dead cap this season as well as the next. So I think it was the right move. Bite the bullet. It's a sunk cost. Just get the money while you can now 
to radically change this team as best you can. And, uh, you know, almost $10 million of space for this team. That's a, that's a significant chunk. So with that, JT might as well take a moment to update the folks on where the Titans are in their salary cap. Um, it's, it's difficult to track these things this time of year because things are constantly changing the details of, of moves, trade signings. They come out kind of randomly. Sometimes you get them almost immediately. Sometimes it, sometimes it takes a couple of days and different salary cap trackers have different numbers at different times. So it's kind of all in flux, whether you go to Spo track, whether you go to OverTheCap.com, both great resources. I personally am using and no free shouts, but got to give my guy a shout out here using the salary cap tracker, Titans specific salary cap tracker put together by our guy, Zach Lyons, friend of the show, personal friend of ours over at football and other F words. And this is a, um, it's a perk of his, his Substack uh, private website where his written work is, um, which is uh, uh, stacking the inbox.com. If you go over there and become a, a member of stacking the inbox.com, you get access to this and a couple of others r- really useful Titans specific um, off season free agency draft tracking tools that he's put together. Very nerdy, very up our alley. Appreciate him for doing that. At last check here um, on the salary cap tracker, the Titans are sitting at roughly $24.5 million of top 51 cap space. Um, you got to factor in roughly four. He's got $4.24 million as the estimate on this spreadsheet for how much they'd have to allocate towards their draft class. So roughly $20 million in, in the can spend in free agency department for this team. Now that's not including the contract numbers of a couple of guys, Andre Dillard, Aziz Al Shair, Daniel Brunskill. Um, we do not know the numbers for those guys yet. Aaron Brewer and Tier Tart. We'll get to their contract situation in just a moment. And then of course you still got Jeffrey Simmons, Tier Tart, and potentially Aaron Brewer extensions all coming down the pike here. I also don't know if this includes the Nick Westbrook Akine money, which we'll we'll uh, talk about right now. Actually, might as well. JT, can you give us the bit of news on Nick Westbrook Akine that's come down the pike? Yeah, so kind of a back and forth week for him. Originally, the team did not offer him the tender of two point six two seven million dollars for twenty twenty three, as he was a restricted free agent. They were gonna let him test the market. He it was reported that he wanted to test the market. He, yeah, he wanted to test the market, but that, was that market decision. was very dry. <laughs> what market? He, yeah. yeah, exactly. As he comes back to the team and he is signing a one year deals. We don't know the numbers exactly. Uh, hard to imagine. It's uh, close to that 2.6 number, but he's going to, he's going to be back on a one year deal. What are your thoughts on him coming back for another year? There's a lot of hemming and hawing over Nick Westbrook-Akine coming back. I can understand Titans fans being sick and tired of him. He is, um, in in anything in life, the only thing worse than horrible is boring and or painfully mediocre. And that is the category in which Nick Westbrook-Akine has always fallen into. So it makes him worse than even a guy like Dennis Daly, who's downright horrible. Yes, fans like to hate on him and want him to go, but... When you've got a mediocre or boring guy, sometimes they stick stick around for longer than you'd like, and they're a lot harder to just shake off. It's like a like a goo stuck to your hand. You just can't get off. You're rubbing it on your shoe. You're rubbing it on your pants. It's just getting everywhere. That is Nick Westbrook-Akine. Now, I don't actually hate them bringing him back. It didn't shock. It shouldn't shock anybody that they brought him back, first of all. He wanted to test the market. He has no market. This wide receiver market this year is dead. So, of course, he has no market. I think he wouldn't really have a market in any year, but this year in particular, 
he uh we don't know the numbers on his contract yet but i'm sure it's a very small insignificant amount of money a couple million dollars if he is it's the same story as it's always been with nwi if he is your special teams wide receiver four or five awesome he's very good at that he's an awesome durable depth receiver who will be available when things have really gone uh things have really hit the fan and you need a guy to play wide receiver he can be that but you need that him to be like you know a break glass in case of emergency guy you don't you don't want him playing the wide receiver three two or at times in the past two years more than one time unfortunately he's been the wide receiver one and we've seen it's a disaster so i don't have a strong take on him yes i get why you hate him i get why he's annoying to you he is a below just below average wide receiver he's a big bodied guy but he's not great contested catch he's not a separator so those two combinations of things if you can't catch contested balls despite being a big bodied guy and you can't separate you're not going to get many many receptions you're not going to be a much of a playmaker and that's what we've seen from nick westbrook so uh welcome back for another year if you're a titans fan you have to hope and pray that he is not a part of your offense in any meaningful way. But knowing the Titans, you can't rule it out. Let's move on to the guys that the Titans actually did tender. Uh, let's start with Naquan Jones here. They placed a tender on the restricted free agent at the veteran minimum. So uh, good for the ro- for the rotational defensive depth here. What are your thoughts on them tendering him? Yeah, so for Naquan Jones as an RFA, he uh, was, I think that they only had to, I believe they only had to give him the veteran minimum. So good for him. Not a whole lot of thoughts on him. He's another guy that's probably not going to be a very, he's at the very best, a rotational piece on defense. And at worst, a guy probably bouncing back and forth from the practice squad, but they keep him around as an RFA for, for pennies on the dollar. So cool. Good for him. The next one here, which most people agreed with and are happy that he is back. Tier Tart was placed a yes. second round tender on him worth $4.3 million in 2023. Easton, what would you be willing to pay him on a more extended deal going forward? It's a great question. Just to establish the baseline here for anybody that isn't aware, when a team tenders their their free agents like this, with Tier Tart and Aaron Brewer, the Titans, both both of those players, they placed a second-round tender on, which comes with a designated set amount of money, which is $4.8 million, or excuse me, $4.3 million for both on a one-year deal. What it allows them to do is it it puts those free agents into an unprotected uh, they 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 fall into an unprotected category once free agency begins, which it has now, and so they can now openly they're in an open negotiating period with both the team that tendered them and any other team that they wish to speak to in the league. So, for example, Aaron Brewer could go to let's say the Panthers. And they could offer him a two-year, $8 million, or a two-year, $16 million contract, $8 million a year. Well, for Aaron Brewer, the Titans would never pay that. So they'd say, awesome, have fun in Carolina. And because they placed that second-run tender on Aaron Brewer, Carolina would be forced to give up their next available second-round pick that belongs to them. It has to be a native second-round pick, not one they've traded for. So they'd have to give their second-round pick in the next available draft so um that's the way that that would work if however tier tart went and tried to sign a two-year 10 million dollar deal with the eagles five million a year the titans may decide we want to pay that and so they can say cool contract we're going to slap our name at the top of that contract and you're going to play for us on that contract we're going to pay it to you and so that's the way that the tenders work now with aaron brewer i think the 4.3 million dollars i 
I will eat my shorts on this show if another team is willing to pay him that amount to come to try to steal him away from the Titans. Not only would they be willing to pay him that amount, but they'd be willing to give up a second round player or a second round pick rather for Aaron Brewer. That's not ever happening for Tier Tart. My guy Tier Pop Tart, huge fan of Pop Tart. He's been one of my personal favorite guys on the Titans. So I guess we can on this show the the my guys list for Titans uh, for Easton at least is the prince that was promised Chickaconquo and then Tier Pop Tart. That's that's the running list. Those two are my guys on this team. Very glad he's still around. Very awesome to talk to. So I'm personally biased towards him. I I, I enjoy having him as a, a guy available to us in the locker room. But he's also a very good player, and I could totally see another team being interested in him as a potential defensive tackle for them. He's a starter-level player. He can handle uh, a, a relatively significant workload. So if if the Titans found themselves in a position where another team offered him a contract, how much would be too much for them to say, we're good, just give us a second-round pick? I think that uh, – sorry, so I got to answer my own okay. rhetorical question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. very sorry. Um, my personal answer to that, and then I'll let us move on, is that I would say in the eight-ish million dollar APY range, I wouldn't hate if if another team tried to offer him a two or three year deal for sixteen to twenty four million dollars. I would not hate the Titans commandeering that contract, but any more than that, I think would probably be too much. So I'd say that eight to maybe nine-ish million dollar range is where I would be comfortable for him. All right, now we can talk about Aaron Brewer, JT. Yeah, so you kind of alluded to it already. Aaron Brewer got slapped on the same tender as Tier Tart here. He will be getting paid $4.3 million in 2023 unless they can work out a longer-term deal. Maybe we'll see what happens. But the big thing, they aren't. <laughs> the big thing with them is that most people thought that, hey, maybe Aaron Brewer were paying him so much money to just be a rotational guy. No, no as not. we've been, yeah. as we've been saying on this show for the past week and a half or so, it, it looks like the Titans may be going in a different direction with Aaron Brewer. Yeah. So the, the entire point that I, the only point that I have to make about this is they are not paying Aaron Brewer $4.3 million to sit on the bench. They are not paying him to be a rotational player. They are paying him to start. And they are, as we guessed when they let Ben Jones go they are planning on having him be their starting center. I can almost tell you with certainty. So what does that mean for where the offensive line is right now? It's not complete, and there's still a lot of shuffling that can be done. But whereas, JT, it feels like 10 seconds ago, the Titans' offensive line looked like a completely blank sheet of paper, and there was just like a million, you know, there was who who's blocking? I don't think there's anybody on the team in the building. It's NPF by himself. Um, now they've got a, a semblance of picture here coming into focus. For the offensive line, as of right this second, I believe Andre Dillard is your left tackle. Your left guard is up in the air, potentially Dillard if they find somebody else for left tackle. Your center is Aaron Brewer. Your right guard is Daniel Brunskill, and your right tackle is NPF. Now, like I said, you can still see quite a bit of shuffling. There's a lot of permutations of this line, depending on who that fifth and or sixth player they bring in is. Another free agent signing, or I think more likely a draft pick, could end up being that left tackle and you slide Andre Diller to left guard. For example, if you went and picked uh, Paris Johnson Jr., he would immediately be that left tackle. Diller would slide in. If they picked Skaronsky at the top of the draft, um, I, I think that Peter Skaronsky would compete with Diller for that left tackle spot and it would be Skaronsky and Diller on the left side in some order. Then I think you could also see a draft pick end up taking that right guard position and you could see 
Um, Daniel Brunskill moved to the left side and be the left guard. I also don't think a draft pick coming in to play center and bumping Aaron Brewer back out to left guard is completely off the table. I think that's still a possibility if the Titans were to draft a guy like John Michael Schmitz, for example, out of Minnesota at the top of the second round. Like that could happen, and you could see Brewer move back to guard, even though I believe they really preferred him at center from a trait standpoint, size wise. I too prefer him at center. So that's basically where I think that they're at. A lot of shuffling still to be done, but the picture slowly coming into focus. Let's move on to one more guy here, and it's a guy that we haven't talked about for a while, but we alluded on a show a couple weeks back that this may Mm -hmm. be something coming up down the pipeline here. Kevin Byard, we talked about how he is an aging uh, secondary player, and his contract is not looking the greatest as he gets older and older. Um, And on on the podcast, The GM Shuffle, with a... with Michael Lombardi and all of them, they, they did say something about him, uh, how the Titans are maybe trying to get him to take a pay cut. What are your thoughts on the ongoing Kevin Byard situation? Yeah, so I have the quote pulled up here. It was from Michael Lombardi, longtime former NFL exec. He said, and I quote, you know, Byard, kid who plays in Tennessee, Kevin Byard, he's a really good player. They're trying to get him to take a pay cut. If he doesn't take a pay cut, they're going to cut him. Now, he said it kind of in passing. He actually said it in the middle. It was a tangential thought in the middle of a discussion around Jesse Bates and, and the Bengals and replacing him. But it is an interesting, very confident tangential thought of his. We, he clearly he, he didn't say that so definitively with, with it being a guess. Clearly, he knows this is something that the Titans are trying to do. I think it's interesting and yet not at all surprising. Like you said, if you've been paying attention to the show, a week or two ago, we mentioned how, hey, Kevin Byard's contract this upcoming season, as it stands, is abominable. You can't let him play on that. You're going to see it probably get restructured, potentially extended, but probably just scrapped and redone. Sounds like they're trying to get him to do that. I don't see a world in which they actually just downright cut him. I think he could carry a good bit of trade value, first of all. So if they were trying to get rid of him and it had gotten to that point, they would try to trade him first. And I think that they could. But I also just don't see a world in which if they can't trade him and and they don't want to pay him that amount, I I still think they may be forced to pay him more than they want because cutting him, the amount of cap money you get in return and the amount of dead cap involved just doesn't make any sense for them to do. So Titans fans can rest easy a little bit in the sense that cutting him, I think, is very low on the list of, of potential outcomes here. But they are going to need to hopefully change up his situation. And there is a chance I think that he gets traded. So Titans fans should keep an eye out for that. All right. Now we've got sum it up yet another installment of this segment where Easton tries his best to, uh, well, really we as a show are trying our best to keep Easton's rambling mouth from going on too long. Try to get him me. I keep, this is weird talking in the third person, try to get me to sum up each of these moves around the league in as few words as possible to give you my, very quick sentence or two thoughts on each. So JT, let's walk through the uh, the free agency moves around the league. Yeah, and once again, we're going to start with a couple of Colts stories here. The first one, former Colts wide receiver Paris Campbell signing with the Giants on a one-year $4.9 million deal. Sum up this signing for the G-Men. To sum it up, untapped potential. I, I, this was a guy, Paris Campbell was high on many uh, Titans fan wish lists in free agency. Not for me so much. 
that the Colts, first of all, lose yet another starter. It seems like they've done nothing but bleed starting level players this offseason so far. So further indication they may be going into a more of a tear it down situation than previously thought. But Paris Campbell, former second round pick, star out of Ohio State. He never really became in Indianapolis what he was projected to be as a prospect. So now Brian Dable and Danny Dimes are going to try to get him to that level. To them, I say, good luck. Um, but we'll see if they can potentially unlock that potential that people saw in a second rounder out of Paris Campbell, who's coming off of his best year of his career, where he managed to accumulate less than 700 yards and only a, a couple of touchdowns. So the ceiling for him on paper seems to be much higher than that, but I, I've always been lower on him than consensus because it sure seems like he continues to underperform four years into his career. Yeah, let's move on to another one here. Former Eagles quarterback Gardner Minshew. Minshew Mania is headed to Indianapolis. Sum up this move for the Colts. Love this. Love, love, love this take. To sum it up, most undervalued position in football. Okay, obviously there's a Shane Steichen connection here. New head coach of the Colts. Eagles offensive coordinator got to know. uh, There's a lot of yelling going on in my neighborhood. Maybe something crazy March Magnus just happened. I have no idea. Um, but he's, I think Gardner Minshew, who again, had a relationship with Shane Steichen in Philadelphia is a top three backup in the league. Okay. So I think it's a great signing for the Colts. I was for a couple of years there where Logan Woodside was the number one backup option in Tennessee was actively calling as many others were, Hey, go get, go get Gardner Minshew, like go invest in competent backup play. Because here's the thing about the backup quarterback position. It is the most undervalued position in the sport of football. Okay, like you, you, you look through history and certain very important people in the history of football have said on the record in interviews and in books like, hey, backup quarterback might be the third or second most important position on the team behind quarterback and maybe like left tackle or your star edge rusher or your star wide receiver. Like it is that important because if you have everything else figured out and you lose your quarterback and have no competent backup option, you are screwed 100 percent of the time no exceptions. So I think it's a great ad. The, the biggest question now is who's he going to play behind? The idea is, is the backup quarterback for the Colts, right? So who's, who's he playing behind? We, we've heard reports in recent days. The Colts aren't super sold on their position in terms of the quarterbacks in the draft. And they're at number four. The best they could seemingly get is the third overall quarterback with the Panthers and Texans, both ahead of them. What do they do? Are they sold on the third or the fourth guy? Do they think they know who's going to be there? Maybe perhaps the question, JT, and this seems crazy right now, but I I think it's a fair question. Is the question, will Gardner Minshew be playing behind someone else to start the season? He may be starting. We don't we don't know yet. So I think the Colts very much in flux right now. Next up here, former Lions running back Jamal Williams signs with the Saints on a three-year, $12 million deal, $8 million of that guaranteed here. Sum this up, first of all, why the Lions wouldn't pay that, and also how scary this is going into the fantasy season next year. Yeah, love Jamal Williams. We saw him up close and personal in Indianapolis. He was there for the running back athletic testing day. To sum this one up, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, man. Somebody... Somebody has to explain to me, like I'm a child, why the Lions decided to let Jamal Williams walk for this amount of money and then turn around and sign David Montgomery away from the Bears for the amount that they signed him for. That you just swapped out 
a, a worse running back for a better running back when you could have kept that better running back for pennies on the dollar. I mean, he signed, I, I know it's 8 million guaranteed on a $12 million deal, but it, it's three years, you know, three years, 4 million APY with, with 8 million guaranteed. That is chump change. I, somebody needs to explain to me why that wasn't beat by another team. I don't know how the Lions decided they weren't going to pay that and they were going to pay it to David Montgomery. It makes no sense. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Finally, we have news coming out of the Tampa Bay area here. Former Bucks or former Rams quarterback Baker Mayfield is signing a one-year deal with the Buccaneers. So it looks like he is now going to be in line to start for this Tampa Bay team. Sum up this move for the Bucks. Is that a little Freudian slip? He's, he's going to be a future former Buccaneer, yeah, exactly. uh, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, to sum this one up, why Carr wasn't worth it is what I wrote down. I think... The, the, the significance of this for me is more specific to the actual division of the NFC South. Derek Carr is the best quarterback in that division still with the Saints, obviously. But but depending on how these rosters shake out, Tampa Bay, a lot of guys in flux, don't know what they're going to do with their, their cash availability, their draft. The Panthers quietly been having one of the best offseasons of any team so far. 10 out of 10 on the coaching hire phase of the offseason now they're kind of killing the free agency phase of the offseason I've not seen a move of theirs yet that I did not like and then who knows what the Falcons are up to reunited with Johnny Smith uh signed Taylor Heineke you, like you, you just Arthur Smith scrappy you never know what he like my point here is how confident are you JT that the Saints are winning this division right now I think they're still the favorite but if you were having to if you were a Vegas sports book having to put the having to handicap this, having to put the odds on that division. It feels to me like the odds for the Saints to win that division are dwindling, getting lower and lower with each passing day. And I'm almost positive by the time we get to opening day in September, it's going to look like they are no longer the best situated team and they should not have paid Derek Carr what they paid Derek Carr. Most likely, I think, especially when the Panthers land their quarterback and you look at their roster exactly. and yeah. I think their, sh their shot, their shot is going to just go up the board on the betting side of it. Yep. Agreed. All right. That's sum it up for today. And that is our show for today. Kind of a slower Friday for you, but we, uh, we wanted to get through this and listen, we know everybody's watching March madness today. So we want to take too much of your time. It is a basketball weekend, even though we've got a football show to do here. Hope everybody enjoyed all of the things we usually tell you, go become a Broadway subscriber over at broadwaysportsmedia.com. You can become a Broadway insider for just the price of a cup of coffee. Get a ton of awesome uh, pr premium content that you won't get otherwise. You can get Justin Mello's article, an exclusive Broadway Sports Media exclusive interview with new Titans linebacker Luke Gifford. Get to know him. That's published tomorrow morning on Friday. So when you're listening to this, it should be out. You can also get... Uh, early to insiders as well as a number of other goodies that you can only get if you're an insider uh make sure you're subscribed to the show do all that good stuff for us leave a five-star rating and a review we'll read out your review live on the show we need to get some more of those it's very helpful for us to try to sell the show this spring as we get into the bulk of the draft coverage season we appreciate that takes 10 seconds to do that make sure you're subscribed on youtube on apple podcasts or spotify wherever you get your podcasts and with that i'm your host easton freeze for producer jt this has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll be back first thing, waiting with a new episode for you on Monday morning when you wake up. Until then, have a great weekend watching some basketball. Have uh, some good luck with your March Madness brackets, and we'll talk to you next week.